Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Charlie Sheldon, who has had many different careers, but is a writer now. We're going to get to hear a little bit about him, his dreams, his goals, and how we can help. So, Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me on. Of course, Charlie. Thanks for being on. Thanks for being on. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun, that would be great. Okay, about myself. Uh, I grew up in the East Coast of the U.S. And all my life, I've liked backpacking and camping and hiking. And most of my work life has been around the water as either a fisherman or working for ports or as a merchant sailor. And, and, uh, but I kept doing the things I like to do. Uh, and I still, I've retired from that work now and trying to make it sell some books as a writer and, and, but I'm still doing the same things for fun, which is basically getting outdoors whenever I can. I love that. I love that. The outdoors is such a peaceful thing to go do. <laughs> it's true. So, I like that a lot. Tell us about your motivation in life. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? Uh, generally speaking, some kind of challenge, I guess you'd say this. I'm, I'm most, like many people, including I think like my wife, actually, if you have something in front of you that's kind of a project to do that focuses you and gives you energy and you're, you have a task to accomplish. I'm not, I'm not very good at multitasking, right? It's sort of one thing at a time. Uh, generally, you try to chase what you're interested in. I think. And though the periods during my life when I've been least happy or most bland, I guess you'd say it's when I've not had something specific that I'm trying to develop or learn or do well at, you know, just tooling, tooling along day to day doesn't do very well for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. And tell us a little bit more about that. How do you go from kind of that tootling around from day to day to really having a purpose-driven project that you're working on? I think it, I think it's a matter of interest. I don't know about you, but I've talked to other people who've gone to sea, for example. And I think whether it's in our training or how we're wired, different people are interested in different things. Right. So you can be walking down the street and something would really strike your interest, almost like a bolt of pure energy. You know, oh, man, I want to do that or I want to learn about that or I want to see that. And it's not the same for everybody. I mean, different people have very different interests. And if you're lucky, as many people are, you'll find out what those interests are early enough to really explore them and I think develop them, you know, uh, I think it's constrained because we all very soon have to earn a living, right? And then when you're doing that, you're often in a position where you're not really thrilled to do it, but you do what you have to do. And there's a lot of that. And that's the way life is. 
And then you have to find an interest that fits in within whatever burden of what your work is just to make your life tolerable. But, um, and so for, for, so I've always had passion interest in a few, <laughs> in a few things, and they usually last really intensely for about five to 10 years. And then they might fade a little bit, but over time, and I've been around a while now, certain things remain consistent year to year and decade to decade. And I think you're at your peril if you don't try to feed that and follow that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, what would you say to the person who's sitting out there and doesn't have any interests? Well, I doubt that people don't have any interests, but, but uh, I, I just say, look, try to find, I mean, follow, try to find something that you're curious about. Um, I think, I think that's the key. And, and sometimes you have to step outside of your comfortable box to do that or see that, you know, I mean, I, I knew a guy who was a Japanese, he was Japanese, actually, he was, um, had been a fisherman in Japan, but he grew up in the inland, inland of Japan. He never saw the ocean. He never heard about the ocean. He told me that the first time he saw the ocean, when he was about 15 years old, he knew in an instant, that's where he was going. You know, or some people I've known from the time I was a little kid that I wanted to write novels. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very successful at it, but I do it. Right? And it's, it's almost like a curse. You have to do it because you're driven to do it. Um, but in the process of doing it, um, sometimes other interests will, will come forth, you know. So I, I'm not, I haven't. When you reach a certain point in life, the the steps you've taken and the tracks you've put down define pretty much who you are, who you are, you know. And if you're lucky, you're not displeased with the path you've taken. And if you're unlucky, you're troubled because you you feel you didn't quite go the way you wanted to, whatever that means. And I don't think that has to do with necessarily career success or money so much as just being comfortable with yourself and what you've chosen to chase and develop you know and and if for those people who are don't have interest in anything i don't know what to suggest i think i think the only thing i'd suggest is make a complete and utter change in your circumstance or your or where you're standing because if you're not getting it where you are um, you may not get it yeah and I love that you said make a complete change because really what I meant by having no interests is that kind of having your interests be silenced by your environment and what you're doing every day. Because, you know, if you don't have the time or room to think about some of your passions because you're so busy living other people's lives, you might think of yourself as somebody with no interests. That's, yeah, that's true. I do think, I do think today, and this is um, maybe not politically correct, <laughs> but I think for many, many, many people, they don't see any option to the position they're in, either because they, they're in debt or because they can't, they've got a crummy job, but they don't know where else to go, or they can't find work, or they can't get health insurance. And so for people who are really struggling day to day just to put food on the table, their flexibility to start again is very limited. I mean, let's be realistic. They have to find some value or beauty or reinforcement right where they are somehow. And that's a challenge for people. Other people who have more freedom, either because they have no 
responsibilities or they have lots of resources so they can choose to do something. If it doesn't work out, they can come back. You know, it's a little different for them. But I think for, for, for many people, it's, it's such a rat race today that, that uh, I think people just, you know, you're just down the trenches going, going day to day. I know when I was younger and my kids were little and my kids, one of my kids now has little kids of his own. When your kids are six and three or eight and 10, you're in the trenches. You know, you can't, you don't have a second. You know, you've got this to do, that to do, this to do, that today. You're watching the kids and trying to work and trying. And you blink and 10 years are going by. That's kind of what happens, you know. And, and, and uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just the way it is. But in those moments you do have, if you can feed some of whatever your interest is, I think it's healthier mentally. And I'm lucky because, <laughs> I'm lucky because some of my interests are, are reasonably economical. You know, going out and walking in the woods is not very expensive, which is good. I mean, if I liked flying airplanes, it would be more of a challenge because airplanes are expensive to fly. So, yeah. you know, it's just a, it's just a trade-off. Um, and you just hope for the best, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about your book that you just released. My book is, it's part of, there's three books I've written. It's a series of books called the Strong Heart Trilogy. It's fiction set in the Pacific Northwest about an ornery young girl who fetches up with a grandfather she never knew she had. He never knew he had a granddaughter. She knew she had a grandfather. And he takes her hiking and they have a great adventure. And it's three books. They're separate books, but they're all set in the Northwest, all about coming of age and wisdom and ancient truth and ancient legends. And it's really a celebration of people who are out in the wilderness or at sea and they're fiction and, and uh, it's easy to find them. They're in bookstores, they're on Amazon. You can find them. And, and uh, I think people would enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Tell us about your reason for writing the book. Is it just, you want to be a writer or do you have kind of a vision and goal for this book? I, I had a, I've written eight or nine novels now and the first few of them were very simple capers just to finish the book you know you start a novel you want to finish it right but the last series and then of course because i had to work as a day job all these years i mean i, I wouldn't write for a number of years and then i'd write again when i had time but when, and by, by the way when you when you're doing a day job that involves working in an office writing memos back and forth to people that's the worst curse on a writer there is is writing bureaucratic memos to people so it's hard to do both and and uh but i had this idea about wanting to do a story about the pacific northwest and specifically about a legend that all the native people out here have always had which is that they've always been here that they didn't come over here on the land bridge they've always been here and i wanted to play with that not I wanted to be part of a story in a sense, you know, somehow this mystery with the asking the question, could some of the old legends that we all hear about actually have some truth to them, you know, and, and, uh, but really in the end, when you write a story, you want, I want you, the reader to fall into the story. You know, it's not about making a point or giving you a lesson or explaining anything. It's about going with the story, just like, just being lost in the story. And if you learn a few things along the way, great, but mainly it's to enjoy the story. 
and 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 I I've had some luck with that, and it's been enjoyable that way. So, um, and and I was driven to do it. You know, this is not something that I thought about this for years and years and years, and finally started really doing research on it about eleven years ago. And so it's taken me ten or eleven years to do this. It's, it, persistence is important. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So take us back to your first novel. What really caused you to take the first step and be like, I'm going to finish this after all that time? Well, I tried writing uh, a novel in my 20s and realized I hadn't lived enough to write about anything. I just didn't know enough. And then I, um, I, did, a, I did a lot of writing, but it was more... Um, trade industry writing in the fishing industry for newspapers and stuff because I, I was in that industry. And then uh, the motivation for the first novel was not a good motivation. <laughs> Another guy I didn't know had written a novel about the fishing industry that I thought was a terrible novel. And I thought, I can do better than that. And that was my motivation. Now that's a bad motivation for a, a book. But that's sort of how I started. And it wasn't a novel about the fishing industry. It was a caper set in New York. And I started it writing longhand, commuting on the train back and forth to the World Trade Center where I was working at the time, right? Half an hour each way. And it's amazing. In four months, you can have a draft of a book if you do a little bit every day. Oh, yeah. I'm basically lazy. If somebody told me write a 50,000 word book, I couldn't do it because it's too much. But if you write 300 words a day, it adds up, you know. It does. And I, I finished it, and it was just a caper. And uh, I knew another guy who had some books published. And he said, send your book to my agent. And I did. And she took me, which I now know was a near miracle. But she did. And then she got it published. And then we had a falling out because I didn't want to write a series at that point. And she thought, well, you sold this book. You can still do a series with these guys. I said, I don't want to do that. And so she said, well, good luck. So I wrote about something else and I wrote about something else. You know what? Nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, none of this is easy. You know, the, 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 sometimes I think the, the, if, if, if you're going to stand up in a lecture hall and talk about what you go through to try to promote a book, it's like a seven hour lecture on all the agony and humiliation and rejection that you go through. It's unrelenting. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, you, so you have to be driven to it. I mean, why else? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, awesome, Charlie. If there was one or two people or types of people that you can meet right now to really help you continue on your journey as a writer, who would they be and how would they do it? That's a great question. I guess one of the people would be, and this is a purely selfish thing, is if I met someone, luck has a huge amount to do with being seen as a writer because these days there's so many books produced, 70,000 books a year. So how do you even get seen? And so if someone who was had a big following, an influencer, you know, someone, I wouldn't say this, but someone like Oprah Winfrey, right, who has, you know, she said, if you, you know, if, if your book's seen in the hand of somebody like that, everybody's going to get it, right? So that's, but that's a very selfish motivation. I guess the Perfect. other thing I'd, 
The other thing I'd say is, and I've been lucky this way, I've met a couple of people who are older writers who've been there and done it, you know, and it's always good to talk to them for perspective and humility, you know, in terms of what to expect and so on. And in the end, it's most of the time, most of your hours are spent producing the book, watching the story happen. And that's very rewarding. You know, you're in a creative zone, you're watching a story happen. It's very energetic. The, the system of promotion and marketing, it is a very different part of your brain, very different set of skills. I don't have them. <laughs> so, so, you know, any, any little help I can get. So at this point in, in my life, anyway, at this point, I, you know, I'm not going to change. I am who I am and I've done what I've done and that's okay. And I'm, happy that I got the ser series finished. I'm just as good as I could make it, you know, and if people want to read it, great. And if they don't want to read it, okay, that's okay too. At least I finished it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I love that. Uh, what's the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you continue on your journey as a writer? Everyday people, they can, they can read if they're in the Pacific Northwest, they can read the uh, Pacific Northwest Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association holiday catalog, which has a big ad for my books in it. I mean, that's the selfish thing, you know. Just be, again, I'm you know, I'm like when when I was 16 years old, I bicycled around the Gaspé Peninsula up in Quebec with two other kids. I can't believe my parents let me do it, but they did, and we did. It was 600 miles, and when we were bicycling around the peninsula. I noticed all along the road, there'd be these tables with kids sitting behind the tables with little meat pies on the tables. And people who drive by would see the table and they'd stop and look at the pie and maybe buy the pie. And I think I'm like the little kid sitting by the road of the table. My books are like the meat pies sitting on the table. All I want people to do is stop and take a look. You know, if they don't take them, fine, but at least look at them. <laughs> so yeah. That's what I want. I feel that. I feel that. Stop and take a look. Well, awesome. This might be a really, really tough question for you. We're going to jump into our thriving three now. Thriving three? Okay. Mm -hmm. I get to hear about how you thrive in your life and just the stuff that you do every day. And so what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. I'd pick book. My favorite book. And I think my favorite book, my favorite book, I think, is The Lord of the Rings, which is books. But that's my favorite book. We, uh, we get some, I do this podcast a decent amount, and Oprah has been on it probably six, seven, eight times now, and Lord of the Rings has been on it a decent chunk of times. It's just always yeah. cool to hear people's answers. But yeah, Lord of the Rings, great series. Maybe I should read it because I haven't. Well, if you, the first time I read it, I was, uh, um, it was many, many years ago. I was a freshman in college and I discovered there's really four books because the first book's called The Hobbit and then there's the trilogy. Mm -hmm. And I read The Hobbit and fell into The Hobbit and read it in about a day and a half. And then I heard there were three more books and I got those three books and I disappeared in my room until I finished them. I mean, I was gone. 
you know, and I've read it three or four times since. And and now I criticize little parts of it, but it's it's a great story. And and I think the reason I named the story was that here's a guy who had to let this fantasy come out of his brain and it worked, you know, and that's just to me a miracle. So yeah, that's the one I'd pick. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself? Two things. Uh, I like to uh, roll for exercise. I have a little rowboat I use out here in Puget Sound that I go out in when I can. And I like to hike in the uh, mountains. And that works for me. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And what's one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to keep on being the writer you want to become? Start the next series, which I'm, I had to delay because of this promotion for this third book. And I'm just getting about ready to get back into it and looking forward to it. Gotcha. And I, and I think that's the key about all of this is, is to be either you have to be learning something new or creating something new to stay healthy and alive in a way. You know, if you if you end up just sitting on what you've done or reviewing what you've done, I think that's dangerous myself. No. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do we get a little sneak peek into the next series? Well, the only thing I'd say is I'm toying with the idea of, of the fifth series is finishes today. It's set. I'm thinking of doing another series set about a hundred years in the future, dealing with exoplanets and extraterrestrial life and time travel and kind of with a link back to the first series in an interesting way. And in that the protagonist in my first series, who's 14 in my books now would then be a great, great grandmother of 109 and her great, great grandchildren would have some great adventure too. So that's what I'm toying with. I love that. I love that. Well, awesome. Awesome. Um, that's all we really got for you. I guess my question is, have you ever thought about starting a podcast for writers? You know, I, I, I have, but I, I'll tell you why I'm not doing it. I mean, I have, I have thought of it. I have a little webpage blog um, charliesheldon2.com is what the, what it is. And it's hard enough to feed the blog. You know, I mean, it becomes, a, you, you have this obligation to keep your content fresh and steadied. And I've talked to, I've been doing a number of podcasts in a way that in hopes that some of your listeners might be interested in these stories just by chance. And <laughs> I've learned from, I, I couldn't do what you guys do. I mean, you guys have, I mean, talk about having to produce over time. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I, I admire you for doing it. I'm happy, I really admire you doing it. But I don't think, if I did that, I'd have to give up everything else, I guess I'm saying. You know, I, I just, I, I think to do one right, you need to spend a lot of time. That's my sense. I mean, I haven't done one, but just from listening to what you guys say and watching, it's, you know, you have to have ideas, you have to have, guests you have to have ways of getting it's, it's a lot of work right <laughs> it's a decent amount of work it's a decent amount of work yes yes it is <laughs> how long have you been doing this so i started it in march and oh, you just started mm -hmm. but i was really sporadic there 
like really sporadic. Like I'd post a couple episodes and I'd stop. Then I'd post a couple and I'd stop. Then I'd post a couple. And now I'm really like honing in on it because talking to people about their dreams and goals is my passion. Right. So honing in on the podcast, scaling it to daily. Now I do two to three interviews a day, really, except for Saturdays. And come like mid-December, mid to late December, I'll be posting daily on this podcast. And so your episode will be posted sometime in mid to late January. And And do you have, I mean, has your listenership been going up as you've been doing this? I mean, can you have a way of tracking that? Yep, there there is a way to track it. So I post through anchor.fm and they track all the numbers for me. They'll track like who listens on Spotify, who listens on Apple. I also post on YouTube, the video portion of it. Um, But my listenership hasn't gone up as of yet because I haven't started posting daily yet. But I'm assuming like 90 days into daily, 120 days into daily, once I have 150, 180 episodes out, my listeners will start to increase steadily. I'll start to build that audience and then it'll work. That's great. That's great. Well, I always think, and I think of this even now, my ancient age, but my dad, the one piece of advice my dad gave to me, which is right down your alley in terms of what you're talking about. He said to me, probably when I was 12 or 13 years old, he said to me, whatever you choose to do, if you have a choice, you know, whatever you choose to do, try to find something that you somewhat enjoy because you're going to spend a lot of hours doing it. And he said, he said to me, he said, I went to work in the wool industry in Massachusetts. He was in the textile industry in Massachusetts before World War II and he hated it, but he had to work, right? And then the war came along and it saved his, it saved his life because he, you know, he was a soldier for a few years and he came back and he went to school on the GI Bill and did what he really wanted to do, which was study animals, be a wildlife biologist. And so my family history is of we men, you know, bang around because we don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, and you try to find something that you're like doing. And I know I've now worked enough to know that there have been periods in my life when I've done something I love doing. And there have been other just as long periods, maybe longer, where I've had an idiot for a boss and it's been abusive and miserable. And, you know, you just suck it up and do it because you have to, you know, you have a family, you have kids, you do it. And, and you just try to survive and hope you know, that something will come along that can give you that little turn that makes it bearable or passable or even fun. And, and, I've been lucky. I've had that happen a couple of times. And, and when I was despairing and thought it was all over and then something came along and, and uh, when I finished my, I worked for almost 30 years for seaports, right. In New York and then Seattle and Bellingham, Washington. And I got to be a big shot sort of in these organizations. I'm not very good as a big shot, but I got to be a big shot and you know, you're dealing with elected commissioners and it's very political. And, and uh, I don't, you know, anyway, <laughs> but eventually I left. I was actually fired from the last job because I got crossways with one of the elected commissioners and you can't do that, of course. And they fired me, but I was able, I, I was able, and I was 65, but I, what I was able to do because I'd been a commercial fisherman years earlier was I documented all my sea time from fishing. And then I joined the Sailors Union of the Pacific, which is merchant sailing on big ships like container ships and cargo ships. And I went back to sea for four years as a sailor. 
right? It was work. It, it wasn't very pleasant. You know, I'm chipping rust and so on, but you can't spend any money. And you know what? I was able to write in between, you know, the ships would come in and I'd do it. And my wife and I talked about it and it was okay. We were, we were okay. You know, I'd be gone for periods of time. Everybody's different. You know what I mean? But that was, some would say that was the stupidest thing I could have done. And, but I would say it was actually a very smart thing because it, A, it carried me over until I was 70. <laughs> and B, it became a great vehicle for putting these stories together. You know what I mean? And, and so you don't know. <laughs> I guess, you know, I'd say you don't know, but you have to keep your eyes peeled, I guess I would say. And again, back to my dad, find something that you like, you know, find something that if you can, something that uh, you like. I don't think kids, kids today, young kids have as much flexibility necessarily because of college debt and other things. And the jobs aren't the same today. I think it's harder today, frankly. I think it's a lot harder. And, and uh, you know, in the old days, in the old days, it used to be if you were a restless young person and you couldn't fit in, you'd go out to the frontier and you'd cut down trees for the settlers or you'd you know, you'd sail around the world on the whaling ship. You can't do that anymore. So now they're all here. <laughs> what do they do? Anyway, life is complicated. <laughs> yeah. You do the best you can. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, awesome, Charlie. Thanks for being on the show. Um, I think that's a great place to end it. And you said we could go contact you at your blog at charliesheldon2.com. That's right. It's IE, Charlie, the IE Sheldon2.com. Or the books are Strongheart, Adrift, and Totem. And you could just look them up, go to a bookstore and ask for them. They may be in the bookstore or they'll order it for you. So, but yeah, Charlie Sheldon2.com would be a good way to start. That's summaries of the books and some other stuff about stories I've done. You might find fun. So, you know. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you liked what Charlie had to say, you want to support him and get some of his books, go ahead and do that. Also, if you happen to know Oprah or any other very important influencer that can help Charlie out, let's connect them. And Charlie, you never know. I might be an influencer here in a year holding your book. I'm sure you will. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, and thanks. Guys, thank you for listening to the show. Charlie, thank you for coming on. As always, send this episode to somebody you know who needs to hear it. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.